It's Sam Swikowski here from the Fremantle Dockers, and you are listening to the Footy Mailbag Podcast with Damo and Ella. Hello and welcome to the Footy Mailbag. My name is Damo, and on this week's episode, we'll be talking about the buys, including ways to set up your starting sides and all of that. But first, let me introduce my co-host. Joining me, as he usually does, is the effervescent Clarky. How are you, my friend? Effervescent. I like that. It's it's my favorite thing in the world that I am legally obligated to be on this podcast because I'm not a good strategy guy. <laughs> I say I say that at the top. I love talking through tactics, but I'm really really interested to see what the vibes are out there. All of this because I know that everything's going to go out the window at some point. To be honest, I don't think you have to be a good strategy guy to play Supercoach. I think you just have to know what looks like a good tactic when you hear it. So yeah. um, it d- doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a good tactics guy. You can just watch footy and know who the good players are and then adopt tactics from there. I do. I did figure out my best ever tactic last year that dramatically increased my finishing ability. I'll share that at the end. Oh, stay tuned. And from Supercoach Edge, we also have Damo, another one just to confuse the listeners. Thanks for coming on, mate. Thank you. I'll try and uh, replicate your voice uh, a bit, Damo, as well. Just, just confuse a lot of people that are tuning in and they won't know which Damo. I think last time we, uh, every time we've reconvened, we've had a couple of uh, collabs. Okay. Uh, I think I've got a solution to... here. I think I've got a solution yep. here. So, Clarkie, help us decide because you're the one that's going to have to talk to us. <laughs> to make it easier for the listeners, how should us demos refer to not only each other, but also ourselves across the episode. Well, look, there's a few different options. There's the classic BIP, the bananas in pajamas. You got D1 and D2. Mm. Demos. We use that in the past, yeah. Yeah, since you're the host uh, footy mailbag demo, you would be D1 and demo Supercoach Edge be D2. However, there is another alternative, which is... uh, Supercoach Edge Demo, D2, sorry. You do go by Demo J88, so we could call you Demodge mm-hmm. if you're so inclined. And I, Demo, I do you get remain that. Demo. I do get that. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very uh, exotic. Yeah, it, it is. Demodge. It? <laughs> and what origin is that? Ah, Supercoach. Yes, I understand. <laughs> yeah, we all understand the universal language of Supercoach, so yeah, That's everyone it. understands. It's- so I think we should stick with D1 and D2 because that's <laughs> slightly less confusing. Okay, so I'm D1 and you're D2, and then we've got Clarky over there in the corner. Yep. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me, boys. It's, uh, it's it's good fun, good fun. This is what I come on for this yeah. uh, this nonsensical uh, chit chat, uh, yeah. and a bit of super coach as well. <laughs> Tell us, listeners, well, when was the last time we had content? <laughs> I believe you'll find round 17, 2023. <laughs> this season is unlike any other we've had before in Supercoach. Not only do we have extra trades, but we've also got the opening round and the buys that come with it. So there's also the buys in the middle of the season as well. Um, so there's lots of discussions about how people are going to set up their starting sides Clarky, what's your personal tactic at this moment? Are you avoiding round zero players? Are you limiting the amount of round zero players that you're starting? Are you just ignoring it? How, how's your team looking at the moment? 
at the moment, my personal strategy has been to just ignore it in the weirdest way because in my mind, I'd rather have the players that I want to have when those buys are out of the way early. I don't want to be... I know I'm going to trip myself up by being a bit too tricky, trying to jump across from, you know, I know we've had discussions of jumping off, like, you know, say, for example, like a Flanders to a Tom Green after the buy kind of thing. Um, I know that's going to trip me up because it can get a little bit complicated and you can get in your own head and you go, right, I need to pick, then pick a player up from round zero to X buy that needs to make enough money. So a uh, Jack Billings, sorry, is probably a good example here. I know we'll touch on a bit further later, but he's an example of someone people would pick up early. He pops in a couple of seventies, eighties, hopefully you make your money, you move on to greener pastures. And for me, I don't like playing that way because I don't want to waste those trades. I've been wasteful in the past, which is significantly, and this is my hot tip. You didn't have to wait till the end guys. Uh, my hot tip is even though we've got more trades, don't use them frivolously. Just because you have more doesn't mean that you should be using them every chance that you get. I understand there's going to be some really great and really, really interesting tactics out there. But for me, I want to play it straight. I know we know it's going to be best 18. I'm going to try and limit the amount of players that I have across those buys, but I'm not going to change my whole setup and approach just to accommodate for those early buys. And what about you, D2? How is your starting team looking and what's your personal tactic around the round zero? Uh, yeah, so I'm very similar to your thoughts, uh, Clarky. I've kind of been toing and froing, going back and forth between, you know, like the tactics that, like you mentioned there, um, a similar one where you start with Tom Green and, and flip him for Sammy Walsh when Green goes into his buy and Walsh yeah. comes out. Um, like, I was tempted by that. And then I'm like, well, looking at last year, um, when we had, what was it, 36 trades, I ran out of my trades in round after round 19. And I'm like, okay, well, with those extra four trades, they would have come in handy. So it kind of goes to that point there. Like, even though we've got four extra trades this season, can we really afford to think, oh, yes, we've got these, some extra trades. Let's, let's kind of be frivolous and, you know, footloose and fancy free. Um, but I don't think we really can because look at last season, suspensions were the biggest thing. And then we saw in recent days as well, the AFL have come out rubber stamped, um, mm. you know, contesting the ball in the air, the Maynard issue. Yeah. Um, and then good. tackling players. Yeah, <laughs> good. Good. And then tackling players from behind is another one as well. So all those incidents are going to happen again. And at, at probably even more so says that because they're now fully-fledged rules, uh, players are just going to get rubbed out. Um, so that kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, so on the the point about trades and being uh, frivolous, I do agree that you kind of should keep them close to your chest, despite the fact that, yeah, these early um, season buys, they're going to be a bit of an issue. And you can potentially go down that route of, of being a little bit tactical, but um, I wouldn't advise using all of them uh, all the extra four trades if you look at it in isolation i wouldn't i wouldn't look at that but uh, i'm sure we'll, we'll chat about it uh at length um through the episode and even throughout the season as well as well mm. personally you, with David? my team i've i haven't avoided round zero players but if i'm weighing up one player against another player I've probably gone for the player that's going to play the most amount of games over that period of time, just from a total points aspect. But it hasn't stopped me from picking up players like a Kitty and Coleman or a 
um, or a Sam Flanders if they're someone who I really want to start with. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm avoiding it because I'm worried about those points and those players missing at any point. But if I've got one player weighed up against another player, like Jordan Dawson against a Tom Green, for example, I might go for the Jordan Dawson instead, unless the pros for Tom Green really outweighs Jordan Dawson. If at like, and at the moment I'm going with Tom Green, cause I feel like Tom Green's got much more pros than Jordan Dawson does, but some, but I, I, that's one of some of the things that I do weigh up, whether I want them to be available throughout the whole period of time or whether I want the more dominant player. So the, the round zero, just to clarify, and this will move, Damo, I've got the itinerary, so I'm going to smoothly transition us to the next point. So the early buyers, round zero teams that are playing, their prices will change after round two. That's correct. That's what we're assuming. So the early buyers, we've got Brisbane and Carlton in round two and Gold Coast and GWS in round three. So the biggest concern that I have when choosing, and I'm going to keep on saying Tom Green because I'm actually really, really bullish on Tom Green <laughs> in this preseason. I just love the way he goes about it. It's a good pick. I've got a, I've got a post-it note that I talk about endlessly that Leck made me write down and stick on my computer screen probably two years ago. And it just says, pick players that you actually want. And Tom Green is a player that I actually want. The amount of money that would need to be made by a Tom Green or a Sam Walsh by the time that... Well, Sam Walsh is in round two. He's not even going to raise in price to jump <coughs> to a Tom Green, really, um, because of that buy. Is that Am I understanding that correctly? Is that my mental math working? Yep. So any players that we would pick, it becomes like a major pitfall and another risky decision that we have to make early on in the season when we know that these roles for these players develop over the course of a season. Harry Sheasel was really good at the start of the year, but we didn't know that that was going to continue from round one to round 23, 24, right? We had absolutely no idea that that was going to be the case. So who really are you going to go, I need to bank on this guy. He's 100% going to make enough money that it's going to be worth it to use a trade on to move forward. Like pick around, picking around that seems like the easier and less risky option. So how many how many guys would you either of your D D two I'll start with you how many of these guys in those early buys are you thinking of starting at a maximum at a minimum do you have a number or yeah I've gone through and I've listed them so for round two uh, for Carlton's buy and Brisbane uh, I've only got the one player at the moment may change to two if I decide to bring Walsh in uh, but it'd just be Williams round three uh, it's changed already because I did have Tuki Miller. Um, but I've since taken him out of my team. I want to find a way to try and squeeze him in just because of his value. Um, But I do think he's going to be a top eight to 10 midfielder. So whether or not I start with him or try and get him during the season, I have to decide. But round three uh, players on the buy at this stage, uh, if I was to include Miller, it would be three. Otherwise, it'd be two uh, with Cadman and Flanders. And round five, again, this has changed... um, but you probably substitute. I did have McRae, uh, but now flipped him. Harms is in, so like for like. So I've got uh, well, Harms, Grundy, and Jordan having the three uh, players on the buy there in round five. And then round six, I've got four with Marty Hall, Gorn, Billings, and Gipkus. Um, and sorry, I think, uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. So I don't know. I'm trying to work out a way that, uh, you know, what's what's the, the best 
I guess, maximum number of players to have on a buy on any given week uh, and try and work out, you know, if I need to sort of rely upon those rookies off the bench, um, you know, what's the best way to do it? Or, you know, if it gets to a certain point, if I maybe exceed, you know, four to five players on the buy in the early rounds, do I then think about maybe using that tactic of relying on those extra trades to, you know, flip a Tom Green to a Sammy Walsh so it's a primo for primo and I'm not having to rely on a rookie off the bench? Um, so I'm still at that point to try and work out what's the best formula because it's obviously the first of its kind here this season. So I don't know what what the, what the best uh, tactic is, and I'm sure we'll find out in season. But um, that's kind of what I think the ceiling is on any given round so far. It's going to be a maximum of four. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I just don't want to exceed that number. No, um, it's it's the perfect number math wise, isn't yeah. it? Because yeah. It's- Best 22, you don't want to have more than missing more than four in a best 18 situation. So exactly, I think I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head, which is, look, listeners, I'm I'm very dumb sometimes, but I'm very pretty. So <laughs> the fact I that, I've, to that. The, yeah, the fact that I've just listened to that and very gone, pretty. yeah, it is four. Like I haven't. I think overall, I'm actually probably no more than maybe two or three at oh, wow. the most. Looking at it, I've got I've got a good spread somehow. Yeah. We'll see what happens round one, but D1, what what are you, how are you approaching these early buyers? How many are you starting at a max min? I th- so in terms of Brisbane and Carlton players, I've got two, uh, Kitty and Coleman and Zach Williams. Uh, for GWS and Gold Coast players, I've got two, Sam Flanders and Tom Green. Um, and then the later buyers with Collingwood and Sydney and then... Uh, Melbourne and Richmond. I think I've got three each for those rounds. I haven't consciously chosen to do it this way, but I've just managed to balance it somehow. Um, but hey, it's it's worked out quite well for me. Hey, the important thing is that it worked. <laughs> that's that's all that matters. It doesn't matter how you got there. It worked. Yeah, and 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 like you said there, like it's not about how many can you start, it's how many can you cover. So those players that are coming off the field because they're not scoring in that round, who are you putting on the field? In the case of someone like a let's use Finlay McRae, for example, he looks like he's in the box seat to step into a midfield role at Collingwood. If he comes off the field, are you putting on are you putting on Aaron Cadman, who's going to score, let's say, 30 points? Or are you putting on a Jeremy Sharp through some kind of dual position swing who can score 70 points? Like, who's coming onto your field when those players come off the field? And that's probably the the one the other thing that you have to weigh up is it's fine to start these players, but how are you covering them when they can't score for your team that that week? Yeah, that's it's yeah, it's totally true, and it's something you need to need to factor in because I think it was um, uh, Abs Magic. He, uh, as we all know, this Godfather. He he put out a, a video recently, uh, and he was actually he compiled three different teams. It was like guns and rookies, guns and mid prices, and it was like a bit of a, a, a smattering of of all three in the other team. And he was trying to work out like, you know, at what point do you try and um, upgrade and you know do you use the early rounds to you know flip players that are going into buys to players that are coming out of buys um and working out sort of the point differential 
for all three of those different mate side makeups. Uh, of course, you know, Guns and Rookies probably no surprise is the one that, um, sorry, this is a spoiler here uh, for those people <laughs> who haven't tuned into his stuff, but um, outscored the other two teams. But um, I was thinking as I was watching it and I was like, you know, it's so hard to to plan for because we don't know how, like for those players, those rookies that are going to be playing in round zero, we don't know how they're going to be performing across their first, you know, two to three games, um, how much cash are they going to be making, um, like using James Jordan, for example. Uh, Sydney have their buy round five, so he's going to have three rounds of um, hopefully price rises, you'd think. Um, but again, we don't know the extent to it uh, as yet, but it's something we probably have to be reactive to off the back of round zero um, and work out and maybe shift the makeup of our teams off the back of that and, and you know, just roll with the, the punches there because it's so hard to predict at the moment because if he has a downer, um, do you still roll the dice and hope that he's going to have a good game in round one and two in his second and third game? Or, you know, do you look elsewhere and maybe save a bit of money, go for a, a lesser rookie that hasn't yet played in round zero? Um, yeah, it's, it's I don't know. It's, it's so hard to, to sort of predict and, um, and really strategize it at this moment. But uh, yeah, it's, we'll wait and see. <laughs> and unfortunately with this kind of thing, we won't know the best tactics until it's already, un, un, <laughs> until the round's already been and gone because yeah. it is something that's never happened before. And you mentioned there talking about price rises and jumping off at the, at a team's um, corresponding round zero buy. And I've heard of a tactic um on, and I actually heard this on the coaches panel when they were talking about Jack Billings in their top 50 um, ser- series. They were talking about starting Jack Billings and then jumping off at round six where he's had four price rises and then going down to a, a rookie that you might have missed earlier in the season who and then you and then you bank a hundred or 150k or whatever it is. Um, that 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 is that, that he's made, and then you keep the cash generation going in your team. But like Clarkie said, if you keep on using the trades that you we got extra, most people ran out of trades because of last season's brutal nature, and uh, and the MRO rules have changed. Um, we've got all these extra buys. We've got another round of the season that we didn't really think meant much last year, but we can realize do um, does this season. Um, we realize what that means this season. So does trading someone like a Billings or even a Josh Gibkes at their round six buy round, is that actually a viable tactic? My biggest concern is people can sometimes underestimate the value of having a playing player as well. So if Jack Pellins is staying in the team, Josh Gibbs is staying in the team, then there is still more money to make. Mm. Is there is there an element of risk that you're willing to adopt to go down to say a rookie who might be on the bubble and then you end up with um oh what's his name who was a uh, in Gold Coast defender who stayed on my bench for 22 23 rounds and never played his third game. Delisted now, I believe. Oh, gee, you're testing. Yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> you know, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Charlie Constable. That. Oh, no, no yes. not Charlie. Was it Charlie Constable? Yeah, Charlie yeah, Constable. Yeah, Constable. Cat. Yeah. Yeah. Stayed on my bench all year, and I was shafted. Like, there's there's an element of that. So I. I 
I struggle to predict whether it will be the most optimal move. But ultimately, as a strategy, if somebody did it, I wouldn't be like, oh, you're insane. That's absolutely psychotic. No, it makes it makes perfect sense. Bank the money, right? Like, and, there's no question. And 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 I guess I said it when I was sort of introducing the topic there that we won't know the best tactic until the round's been and gone. And so we might criticize a tactic when it happens, but we might get to round ten or eleven and realize that that was probably the best tactic at the at the time. Yeah, correct. Yeah. The other thing as well I was thinking of on the drive home actually uh, this evening was, and it goes to that um, that example there with, with Jack Billings. So he's got the buy in round six and I was thinking, okay, well, you know, if you trade him going into his buy in round six, he's had four price rises as you mentioned. But at that point, say for example, he's made that much money. He's actually gone gangbusters, season best uh, to that point or career best even uh, to that point for him. Uh, and say he's still got a low break even, do you bite the bullet and trade him uh, for obviously another rookie in order to bank the cash in order to upgrade your team earlier? Or would you prefer to hold on to him despite the fact that he's going into a buy and you may have to play a rookie um, of lesser quality in order to hold him and, and potentially make a bit more, you know, say an extra 100K out of Um that's something I was thinking of and I was like, I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Um, you know, obviously points is paramount in, in this game. So would you prefer to, don't worry about the extra cash that he could, the extra 100K that he could bring you down the line if you hold him um, and, you know, trade him out for, you know, if, if it allows you to bring in another primo. Um, I think I'd probably do it, but yeah, it's a, it's a good sort of conundrum to think of because it could happen. I mean... The forward line's not exactly cut and dry this season as as as, as, as it is. Hey, mate. No. So so if Jack Billings come so if Jack Billings comes out and averages let's say ninety over the first five rounds but before the corresponding round zero buy, you'd probably want to keep him if you think he can keep that up because a ninety average could be a top six to eight forward this season. I think True. we'll see that it will be. To be quite honest, seeing what we've got there before knowing any DPP additions. So if he's come out and averaging 90 and your original plan was to trade him at Melbourne's round zero buy, I don't think, I I mean, obviously we keep talking about not knowing what the right tactic is and, until the round's been gone, but... I hope you weren't here to get a definitive answer, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but I don't think, I don't think it would be smart to trade him if he's come out and averaged 90. No, absolutely not. You'd be insane. That Okay, that genuinely would would be insane to go, I've got a guy who's averaging 90. I'm going to cash him in. But those who are listening here who have come from the old Jock Reynolds podcast, Leckdog and Patch would talk about a, the someone, something that they'd call the Bruin Maneuver. Where someone traded, where someone traded in Travis Cloak, Travis Cloak averaged like a hundred over six rounds, and then they traded them to someone who had a low break even, and then made n- another r- set of cash, and then they managed to turn one player into two primos. So there, there is that opportunity that goes with Billings if Billings comes out and averages that much, but. I just don't think it's smart, even with the extra trades, to trade someone in a position that 
isn't so that isn't so black and white at the moment. Yeah, and especially not knowing who that's going to be. <laughs> and then on the other end of the scale, you've got the round thirteen buy with just Port Adelaide and Fremantle. I've seen teams that have ten players combined from these two teams. That's just that's just silly. All right, we get it. You love Sunrise. Is that still is that still a good joke? Are we still making David Kosh jokes in the year of our Lord twenty twenty four? Holy, that's a lot. I don't have a single Port Adelaide player in my team at the moment. I've got two. Sorry, I've got three Freo players, but only because I think it's really funny to think that Odin to pretend to myself that Odin Jones is going to get a game on my R three. <laughs> I just needed a body for a moment. Can we just talk about the fact that Odin is a great name? Yeah. Hugely immense name for a Ruckman. And it's sad that he's never going to get to play as a Ruckman because he plays for Freo. But I'll enjoy seeing him in Victoria in a couple of years. <laughs> Pretty sure Odin was the father of Thor, wasn't he? Correct. The, uh, good old, good old he, the, the all father, mm, if you yes. will. <laughs> But yeah, back to the point. I've D2, got, yeah. I don't D2, I don't think you can stack your team with Port Adelaide and Fremantle players, even though it is an attractive buy round to target and have players from. Yeah. No, I I don't see the merit in doing it. Um if it was a no disrespect to being a being a free man yourself, uh D one. No, no, no. Um, we we allow disrespect here. Okay, okay, that's good. <laughs> despite despite what the shirt says. Yeah, I can see that uh see a flame see a flame uh making its way up that, that jumper in the background there behind Dima. Yeah. Um <laughs> But no, I think, you know, if it was if it was two teams that were I guess I mean Port is pretty decent quality, but you know, if it was a team with a bit more um strength to it, I mean Port probably is, but Freo to a lesser extent, um you could maybe in some weird, strange uh, universe, try and validate it. But I don't think you can. Um, even so, it's just you're trying to gain an advantage across, you know, a couple of rounds just with stacking your team uh, at the detriment of, of missing out on the likes of a Bontempelli, Dacos. Um, you know, even if you want to sort of just talk about guys that have the early, um, you know, the double buys virtually, um, you know, I think you'd, you'd want to be locking in those players ahead of stacking your team, Port Adelaide. And Fre- I think it's just, I don't know. To us, it probably makes more sense and it's straightforward. Um, that's why I just, I would never have thought about doing that ever in my life. So it's it's quite a, <laughs> quite a, quite a strange <laughs> question to try and address. <laughs> you know what, D1, you're just going to let D2 disrespect your team like that. But you know what? I think, I think people are picking Port and Frio players because... A favorable buy, but B, they represent teams with potential. We don't necessarily know what the limit of the upside of these players. Hayden Young being probably the best example. Everybody talking about oh Hayden Young in the midfield. He's he's going to do it, guys. This is the time. So we're all picking him in defense. I was saying to D one just off air that. The player I'm enjoying picking, this is not based on statistics. This is not based on anything other than it makes me feel good when I hit the plus button on his name. One Nathaniel Fife. 
uh, in my forward line at the moment just because I like it. It makes me feel good and it's February. What are you going to do about it? Anyway, can I say I swear? <laughs> anyway, I, I think we, we end up picking these players from teams that we know have potential in roles, positions. Maybe there's restructuring. Maybe there's... In, you could say the same thing. I reckon people are probably picking, what, four to five players from teams like North Melbourne, mm. maybe even West Coast, maybe even Hawthorne, like these teams that are on the rise with all these kind of loose pieces that we need to figure out what's that going to look like. And you're just trying to hit a battleship, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a unique situa- situation. Don't uh, pick 10, really though. Cons- consider yeah i think yeah it goes without saying i think to us but like yeah just just go with a more balanced side if, you, if you're keen on a couple of extra port and frio players you go for it but don't do it to the detriment of you know the rest of your team and uh, you know stuff yourself up for the preceding um you know x number of rounds before port and frio's by um yeah but just when you mentioned that fife that sent shivers up my spine <laughs> i saw it um, i saw the i saw the shivers physically manifest that uh that bloke I've, i love him as a footballer but when it comes to super coach he has haunted me for years on end and i remember there was a season um i was going back probably uh five seasons ago maybe at a guess um four or five and uh, i remember he started getting some injuries and i thought you know what i'm gonna fade him and it worked out well because he ended up getting injured. And then uh, I sworn myself off him ever since. And then last year, the start of uh, 2023, I uh, said, nope, uh, he's in my burn book, never again list, didn't start him. And then uh, I'm going to blame Bevo for this because he didn't select McLean. And so I ended up downgrading him, had some extra cash and thought, you know what? Let's bring in Fife. Let's jump on the bandwagon. And he absolutely burnt me. Lasted one round, uh, which is probably around about what I expected him to, <laughs> to last. Uh, and then, um, yeah, when he was right for the rest of the season, when he came back in the back half and I was screaming, do not go for him. Like on anyone that tunes into our, our podcast and vodcast, Liam and I, we were like, do not go for him. He's going to re-injure himself. Same injury that he's had. And you know what happened? He got injured. So, um, yeah, but I mean, if you want to go for him, extra trades, who knows? Take a risk. Hear me out. Hear me <laughs> out. Like I said, this isn't based on statistics. This is purely a... Vi- Tell tell me that no one in the football world can think of Nat Five and not go like, oh, it just like it gives me like the, the pipes, good, the good vibes, like the like he's a good guy. He plays for the he's probably like one of the most notorious modern Fremantle players. It's like him, David Mundy, and soon to be Andrew Brayshaw. Like I like I said, he's there because it's fun for me to pick him, and it's February. Whether he makes the final cut, I don't know, man. He's 200 and, 283, so he's not necessarily worse than any of the other picks that people are making. As a Freo man, I have to legally... I'm legally obligated to like Nat5. Um, and correct. And I, I do like the reports of him looking back to his best, but I just... I just can't. I mean, like... If he comes out and he looks like the Fife of old, and I'll I'll happily put put on my hand and offer my shoulder to him so he doesn't injure it again, but <laughs> I just I just can't select him. I just I just can't do it because I don't I I just I can't I just can't I just can't I I mean AFL ratings, Pete, 
put up a tweet today about how he had Yo in his side for a whole five seconds um, because he p- put him in, there was an earthquake, and he knew that it was the wrong thing. Every time I think about clicking on that little plus sign next to Nat Fife's name, I just – ghosts come out from my walls telling me not to do it. So the, I, that I have. the thing about it is – and I know this isn't the Nat Fife segment, so the thing about it is is that at his price – he only needs a smaller piece of the pie to be worth the value. That's all. That's that's all I'll say in terms of a pro pick. That's actually based in some kind of logic. He he doesn't need as much as he would say compared to a Hayden Young, who he needs a significant for for his price. Hayden Young needs a significant increase in his output to have made that pick worth the value. I that's just logic it's the same thing with like Andy Brayshaw you kind of get what you pay for him same with Caleb Sarong one's going to be up one's going to be down you know how that works but these guys like Fife and Young with the question marks on them I know which one represents lower risk and an easier parachute option as MJ would put it I I, uh, must admit what you just said there Clarkie was what I said myself at the start of 2023 when I jumped onto Fife and I said, all he has to do is last at least a month and he lasted one week. You're <laughs> so injured that... until you're not. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I was, I was, again, I revisited and I was like, maybe, maybe I could and slap myself at the back of the head. And I was like, oh, maybe like if he goes back to the midfield and I'm like, well, you've got Sarong, got Brayshaw, got O'Meara, got Young, who's now sort of going full time into the midfield. So I don't know. I could see Frio, if he does play more midfield, that he's going to be, and you, you'd be able to speak to this demo, a D1. Uh, I just think he's going to be rotated a bit more and rested a bit more just so he lasts the season. But who knows? It, it may mean that uh, he is a good selection, doesn't get injured. I'll say as well, we're talking about picking Jack Billings, who isn't really that far mm. away from how much Fife costs. I can't, just for the record, I can't pick Jack Billings either for the same reason. So <laughs> I'm not telling people to True. pick Jack Billings. I'm not telling people to pick Nat Fife. All I'm saying is... These are two players that exist. <laughs> I, know, I know that they are popular players that people are selecting, and there are t- tactics around those two players that we probably should talk about. And it's fair, now we've talked about it, so we can <laughs> move on would like, D1 would like to stop talking about it. <laughs> stop cursing his players. <laughs> um, but because of the round zero buys, it makes trading between rounds seven and 11 before the mid-season buys start up so important because you have to not only use what you've learned from the first six rounds, but also what you've learned from those previous buys to set your team up again to go through another series of buys. So who do you target? Do you target round 15 players so you can then get the round 12, 13, 14 players when they come off their buy? Do you kind of ignore it again like we kind of done with round zero or what sort of strategy do you do what sort of strategy can you learn from the round zero buyers that you can then take into the mid-season buys d2 i'll let you have the floor with this one <laughs> i need a break yeah. i'm thinking about nat five too much <laughs> getting a bit hot under the collar yeah. understandable um yeah i mean we really these are obviously the only buys um that we normally have to contend with and it, it um, comes down to this discussion point every every year but um Looking at it this season, 
round 14 and 15, there's six teams on the bye across both of those rounds. And that will royally, I won't swear, but it will royally stuff us. Um, I think either one of those rounds, depending on the number of selections that you have of players across both of those buyers. Um, but for me, I think historically what I've done is, yeah, if there's, if there's a buy round where it's stacked against me and I have quite a few players um, that I'm targeting, I'd love to get in my team. But if they're in those rounds that are going to hurt me, I'll hold off getting them, um, maybe to the detriment, uh, depends as well how those players are traveling, price point, uh, break even, all that sort of stuff. But I try ideally to try and spread it out and not overload my team so it doesn't you know, put me out um, for those rounds that uh, I'm going to be hurt the most where there's more teams on the buy um, in those specific rounds. So I don't know. It's a, a sort of a, a long answer short is I would have them in mind leading up to the buy rounds. Um, but yeah, kind of use it. If, you, if you're using round zero as a bit of a um, bit of an example uh, or the, I guess the, the early buy rounds, if you can, um, you know, trade out guys that are going into their buy to players that have already had their buy. So for example, you know, if you're round 14, if there's a Carlton rookie that you've got, say a, a Jackson Bins, um, he's made a bit of dosh uh, into round 14, Carlton's buy, you trade him out for, you know, say a Freo rookie who's had their buy in the preceding round um, in uh, round 13. So um, yeah, that's kind of my thinking, um, loose thinking, but yeah, things change and yeah, obviously depends upon what I said, price points and, you know, break evens, all that sort of stuff, which kind of dictates it as well. Because it feels like in previous seasons, the mid season buyers have sort of dictated how you set your team up. But this year, it's it's the early buyers, the round zero buyers that people are focusing more on. And Clarkie, it feels like these mid-season buyers aren't being ignored, but they're being looked at a lot less than we probably should be looking at them. In the wildest way possible, it's I'm looking forward to those buyers because they're the most normal thing about this year. Yeah. <laughs> We know we know exactly how to handle a big buyer. And D2, I'm really glad that you're here because I agree with exactly what you said, where it's important to just make sure that you maintain balance in your team. You don't swing too far one way or too stack another way in one particular buy. And then you target players who are lit going into their buy and are coming off their buy. Focus on having green ticks on your field. That's the number one thing that a lot of people get tripped up in their own buys is that they don't fo- they focus on going, I want X player. I need to get them in the buys because that's when you do your upgrades. But instead, you should be focusing on how can I get the best score with the most amount of playing players that I can out of this round. It might mean that you have to bring in a premium who you weren't necessarily thinking about before. And I know that I've said you, you do want to pick players that you want, but you also have to let yourself be led a little bit in the sense of who's doing well, who's not doing well. So between round seven and 11 is really when you should just be maintaining your team, I think. Mm, bit your of team, a toe even. Mm. Yeah. So your team should be in a pretty good position and then you're just making moves that are economically sound to build up a little bit of bank if you've got players who rookie gets dropped, 
somebody gets suspended, somebody gets injured, those kinds of things. This is a it's a maintenance mode where you need to be kind of stockpiling yourself to then go hard from twelve to fifteen. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And just looking at, I've I've actually done a, a quick rundown as well of for those buys. Um, for the four buys there, 12, 13, 14, 15, I've got round 12, five players in the buy. Round 13 is going to be pretty easy, as we know. Um, three, round 14, 12, and round 15, nine. So it probably helps that they're at the back end of the that buy block. So you can kind of, I guess, prepare for it. Um, and it doesn't sort of throw you out if it was, you know, bookended either side. But yeah, like that just says to me that, yep, use 7 to 11. So, you know, just set up my team. And if I need to sort of find a bit of balance where I can maybe, you know, trade in some players that have around 12, around 13 buy and are going to be available for around 14 and sort of level out my um, my buy structure there a bit a bit easier. So, yeah, it's always always good to, to keep in mind how many players leading up to them, how many players are going to be missing. Um, and yeah, it's probably part of the reason why Supercoach Plus is pretty helpful as well uh, in that respect. Yeah. It's uh, just the old school pen and paper, getting out your, your notes on, on your Mac or um, or your Windows and just, just type it in um, always helps uh, provide a bit of a guide. Yep. And if I was looking at the buys on the surface, it looks like round 14 might be that consensus dud buy that always seems to happen every year just because Carlton, Essendon, Geelong, Gold Coast, Melbourne, West Coast all have some pretty popular selections. So is round so round 14, is it the consensus dud by or is that sort of a myth? I think the split would have to be between round 14 and 15 for me. I think there's a lot of popular selections I can see that are pretty big cogs uh, in that round 15 by. You've got um, the Crows, Collingwood, Doggies, Hawks, St. Kilda, and Richmond. So I'm thinking people who jump on Sinclair and Steel, people who jump on Sicily, uh, or like a Will Day. You've got Bontempelli and the any of the Bulldogs, Dacos and the Crows, mm. and, and the Crows, Dawsons and Lairds. So I think between 14 and 15 are going to be... Some people are going to hate 14, and some people are going to hate 15, and it's just going to be two weeks of people complaining about it on Twitter. <laughs> and I... I encourage you to do that. Let it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It sucks. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap the episode up there. Thanks for joining us, Damo. Where can people find you? No worries. Thanks for having me, boys. Uh, anytime you uh, you need an extra hand, you need a co-host, um, feel free to hit me up, um, even if it's to, to just shoot the shit and talk nonsense. Uh, but yeah, you can hit us up on... Uh, on YouTube, uh, just search Supercoach Edge, um, which is our podcast, obviously. And uh, through our audio podcast, you can just search Supercoach Edge. We're on Spotify, Apple, all those um, platforms. And uh, on Twitter, just search Supercoach underscore Edge, Facebook, TikTok, all that. We're pretty much everywhere. Uh, we're <laughs> like a plague, so apologies. <laughs> <laughs> and Clarky, as always, thank you. It's such a pleasure. And listeners, do go and check out Supercoach Edge. Go check out any of our guests that we have on there all from usually from the content creation sphere and it really helps us a lot when you go and engage with our content even footy mailbag super coach age go and rate review us on your podcast network of choice platform network whichever one leave comments on our youtubes interact with us because all of those things help us with the algorithm 
it's a messy world out there if you're trying to be a content creator, especially for something that in the nicest way possible is a bit of a niche when it comes to super coach. Like we are a pretty tight community. So supporting all of us as content creators or even just any content creators that you enjoy, just give them a shout out, give them some love because we love you and we do it because we love it. So we want to get it to as many people as we can. If you haven't already, join the Mailbag League for your chance to win a Mailbag tee for best team name. And the highest ranking team at the end of the season will also win a $50 AFL store voucher. Code for the league is 422899. Again, code for that league is 422899. And if you are setting up a Supercoach League of your own and you want to give the winner something to brag about, head to supercoachchampion.com. You have been listening to the Footy Mailbag. Don't miss a thing from us this preseason. All the relevant links will be in the description of this episode wherever you are listening. We'll talk next time.